Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And, and then I run into... Um... Peter Jason, and Peter Jason is kind of this guy I did a Western with, he kind of talks like this and all he ties to, he goes, Jesus Christ, Monk, you know, this room's full of people that look just like me, how the fuck's guy trying to, I mean, how are we going to get over with this thing? And I said, I don't know, are you ready? He said, I'm always ready, come on, what the hell? And so they go, oh, Chris Malky, and I go, cool, well, great, all right, good luck, Peter, okay, good luck, Malky. So I walk in, I sit down, and, he, and he, Bruce Cohen Curtis is behind his desk, this camel-colored thing, and his lovely shirt, and he's very dressed, and he's very... And he goes, I'm sorry, Chris, but it's just not going to work. I said, what? He said, there's no reason for us to go on in this audition. I mean, I said, we haven't started. He said, no, 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 you're just not right. But thank you, thank you for coming in. And I, I kind of blew my top. And I said, look, MF, um... I drove across town. I learned all this stuff. I mean, what, you know, and I came hot, right? And I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. I don't, and, you know, Joe Rubin, who's the director and, and, and the casting director from Twin Peaks is there. And she's like, monkey, monkey. And I'm going, I just got to tell you. And he said, finally, he goes, are you done? And I went, yeah. And he just tore me a new rear end. Well, you in great drink, actor, blah, 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 blah. And then he was done. And I went, okay. All right. Um, Nice to meet you guys, and uh, take care. I'm out. And so I leave. So two days later, I get a call. Bruce Cohen Curtis wants to see you. You mean what? on Dreamscape? Yeah. Okay, call back. I went, call back? I told him to go fuck himself. world and welcome to another episode of thanks for coming in i'm your host jillian claire if this is your first time tuning in this is the show where i speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry and i make them share a few bad audition stories with me if you're not following the show on social media head to the show notes there's some links down there uh you can also check out our patreon to see all these interviews live and in person well not in person but on your computer screen with real faces talking at you Today is a very special episode. Today we have my friend Chris Mulkey. Um, he has been an acting teacher of mine. He has been an inspiration and he is overall just the absolute best. Um, he's been in quite literally everything from Twin Peaks to Boardwalk Empire to Whiplash, The Purge, Cloverfield, Captain Phillips, Any Day Now, Saving Grace, Grimm. I mean, my lord, the list goes on and on. It will never stop. He is in everything. We love him. We love to know him. I'm very excited to welcome the one and only Chris Mulkey. And welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, Julian. It's so good to see you. Um, for all of my listeners, Chris has actually been an acting teacher of mine in the past, which is really cool. Full disclosure. Yeah, um, I teach a master class at the Ruskin Theater. You are fabulous, by the way. So Thank we you. Agree. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Um, 
It's so great to have you here. I'm very excited to talk about all the amazing things that you've done in your career. Um, but before we get to all of that, because your resume is so massive, we're not even going to be able to talk about everything. Um, I always love to ask, what made you want to become an actor? Well, wow. <laughs> I was at the University of Minnesota. And I was looking for an elective. I, was, I thought I was going to be a history teacher and a high school wrestling coach because I wrestled a little bit in college and, and in high school a lot. Um, that was good. So um, my friend George said, why don't you take an acting class? He was a baseball player at the time, played for the University of Minnesota. I said, no, actors are crazy. And he said, no, no, you really like movies. You really like Marlon Brando and all these guys and Lee Marvin and all the iconic guys that I grew up with when I was a kid. And uh, so I took the class and I was, uh, uh, I succeeded. And I went into a, <laughs> another class and they were writing a play and I helped them write the play improv scenes and we were funny. And, and uh, suddenly we're in New York at Cafe La Mama and and Andy Warhol's people are coming to see our play. And I went, well, this is pretty cool. I mean, I'll just be an actor. So I changed my major and um, there it was. I just did it. You just did it. So what was your like first steps after college? Did you stay in New York? Did, how did you navigate that? Well, Jillian, I was I was a senior in college and um, and I was offered a uh, um a job as a company member at the Minneapolis Children's Theater at the Minneapolis Art Institute. And um, so I thought, well, I could either stay in college and graduate, or I could just quit away right now and be a member of the, of the theater company and do the work. So I figured, well, uh, let's go do work. And so yeah. I did. Yeah. So that's amazing. A, yeah. Um, had, um, Tennessee Williams has a play called This Property is Condemned, and it's a story about this little girl walking down the railroad tracks, and her teacher comes across her, and he says, he says, I haven't seen, Jillian, I haven't seen you in class, and she said, well, you know, I'm finished. He said, finished? It's, you're only in the eighth grade, and she, she goes, no, I quituated. <laughs> so, I quituated. You quituated. That's such a great uh, little word there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's cute. Yeah. So you you do this uh, play stuff in Minneapolis, and then when did you start making your way into the film and TV world? Well, we did a uh, the director of the theater, uh, John Donahue, wrote this play called A Suitcase, and it was about a guy, a traveler who goes to this spa in uh, in Morocco, and it's. And so we built a spa on stage. Uh, it was a, an amazing theater, and it still is. Um, and uh, so they built a spa on stage, and we did the play. And it's a drama about somebody who goes someplace and presumes that he knows everything and he knows nothing and pays the mm -hmm. price for it. And I went, this would be a great movie. So we got money from uh, the National Endowment for the Arts to do the movie, and I produced the movie. And it was really good. And... Um, got great reviews. And so I took it to the American Film Institute out here in California. And I tried to get in as a fellow. And they said, I just didn't have enough connections. And they said, no, no, no. But while I was there, I worked on everybody's thesis, right? Mm. Um, and, um, and one day, 
a cowboy actor by the name of Clint Eastwood came and uh, and talked to people about, you know, what's it like in the real world in showbiz? And so he went, and only 10 people showed up. I was the 10th. And I wasn't even part of the AFI. I was just hanging out, working on people's films. And so he went around the room and he said, Chris Mulkey, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to go get over as an actor. And I actually said, I want to get over as an actor. And he goes, well, you know, here's what you do. Go back to Minneapolis when you're done here. Um, write a script. You play the lead. You produce it. Don't direct it. And so instead of going, yeah, all right, Mr. Hollywood, I'll just go back and do my own feature film. Um, I went back and got my friend and we wrote a film called Loose Ends. And we won the USA Film Festival, which was the the Sundance of the day. It was in 1975 or 76. And then um, then it won. We were in Edinburgh and Berlin and Deauville and Venice and played around the world. And uh, so... I took those two films that I produced at the Minneapolis Children's Theater and uh, I came out here and go, I went here, who sends it won this thing. Um, you want to be my agent? And they went, yep. And started working. Yeah. That's amazing. See? There is nothing I love more than an actor taking con- like control of their career and saying, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to produce something. I'm going to be out there so people can see my talent and see what I want to do. Yeah, do your thing, man. I mean, it's so great that you're doing this. And it's so great that I'm on here. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That's amazing. When was, like, do you remember, like, the first, like, major role that you got, either on, like, a TV series or a film where you're like, dang, like, I've really hit my stride. I'm getting there. I'm getting to where I want to be. Wow. Like, last week? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was... It was really cool when I got my first job. I on network TV on ABC. I did a, uh, I did actually two episodes with Robert um, uh, Robert Blake on uh, his series Beretta, and I okay. didn't think I hit my stride. I just thought, well, now I'm in the game a little bit, you know. Right. Um, but I guess I don't know. I you know I'm always looking over my shoulder, so. I don't know. I mean, I've done 115 movies. I don't know. I've got three movies that are lined up to me right now. Um, hit my stride. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I was doing Rambo First Blood. But okay. But at that time, my I just gotten married. My wife was pregnant. I was having a baby. She was on the set with me in Vancouver. So I was just, I really wasn't even congratulating anybody. I was just trying to get the baby born and get the movie made. So it was great. So. <laughs> maybe Rambo, maybe, you know. Rambo. And you were on um, Any Day Now with Annie Potts for, gosh, a long time. How was it to be, I mean, how was it to be such a large, you know, role on a show that really did kind of change network television? Yeah. Um, Any Day Now was about race relations in the South, you know, and uh, Lorraine Toussaint was on there and um, it was just uh, so we played these. So a third of the show was shot in black and white, and they had a little Chris Mulkey, a little Lorraine Chasson, and little Annie Potts, right? And it was all shot black and white in the '60s during the civil rights marches and movements. And um, and then the other uh, three quarters was shot present day when uh, the African American woman who was our friend as kids comes back and takes over her dad's law firm, and we all rejoin and uh, have the same friendship and bond um 
it was great. The writing was great. Nancy Miller was genius. I went on to do two more series with her. Uh, Mark Israel was the showrunner. And it, you know, I, I talk about um, when uh, a soul gig meets a money gig, you know, and that was definitely a soul gig because of its content. And, mm-hmm. and it paid well. <laughs> and it paid well, which is good. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, tell me a little bit about being in Twin Peaks, because this show has had a resurgence in the past decade of people being super obsessed wow. with it. Well, I want to tell you, I, I just did a, not just, but uh, two years ago, I was in Belgrade, Serbia. This is kind of backdoor to your question. But I was in Belgrade, <laughs> Serbia, doing a series called Mud on Your Tires about this Serbian woman who meets a Louisiana guitar playing guy, and uh, they fall in love. And we shot it all in Belgrade, Serbia. It was fantastic. Um, but they had just released, re-released um, the original Twin Peaks over there. So mm. I'm you're, you're Hank from Twin Peaks. Very nice, very nice. Very scary. You're a very bad guy. Um, so... <laughs> So I had seen, I had seen Eraserhead, uh, David Lynch's, I think, first feature, and I didn't understand it. I just didn't. Maybe I'd smoked too much boo before I went in there, but I didn't understand <laughs> Like, what? And so, um, but I, they wanted me to go to audition for the movie, the TV series, but I, I said, I don't want to do it because I don't understand his work, but his, his co-creator, Mark Frost uh, was a classmate of mine at the University of Minnesota. So I said, oh, okay, I'll oh, go. Wow. Yeah. So they gave me, and you know this as an actor, they gave me, they don't know what they want, right? They, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they give me two parts to do, right? They said, you can play Jacques, the Cajun guy, or you can play Hank Jennings, the ex-con who's getting out of jail and is going to run a diner. Now, Hank Jennings is basically this guy Steve that I know that did 13 years in San Quentin for armed robbery. I think oh honestly take take my word for it. Hank Jennings for it was Steve. Steve was this <laughs> kind of cute guy, really super dangerous and a great liar. I mean <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. Okay, and Jock you know, Jock was Jock. So I go I I go to the audition and Carl Okowitz is sitting in the room. It's just me and him. And I said, Carl, what are you auditioning for? He said, well, Hank or Jacques. And I said, well, you're Jacques. You know, he's this big guy. And I said, I'm Hank. And he says, you're only going to read for one? I said, yeah. So I go inside and they go, okay, which one do you want to do first? I said, I'm only going to do Hank because mm-hmm. Jacques is sitting outside. And so I read Dang. It. And they went, bang. There it is. Wow. Yeah. You just cast it for them. You're like, you don't even have to do it. Here you go. I'm going to tell you. I, I humbly suggested. <laughs> humbly no, I suggested. guess what I, what I said to you is what I said in the audition. So, yeah, it was great. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's really crazy to see a show have such an impact over such a long time, especially a show that was only, you know, what was it, 10 episodes? Total? It was a seven. The first, the opening season was seven. And then the next one was 22. 22. Yeah. I mean, so uh, a grand total of 29. It's amazing. Yeah. It's well, now amazing. that would be, now in today's world, that would be three seasons of something because right. everything is 10 episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 
It's very true. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And back to the show. Um, let's talk about some of the more like recent films that you've been in that have been big hits. You were in Whiplash and The Purge and Captain Phillips. Um, how... How have you as an actor noticed like a change within the industry as far as parts and roles that you've been able to really connect with? I haven't noticed much of a change in the industry, but you made me think of an early question. Um, when did you feel like you hit your stride? And I, and I would yes. say when the, the I did, I've done three, I've done four films that either won or were nominated for Academy Awards. Right. And uh, one was, mm. Um, a documentary that I did with Woody Harrelson um, called Nanking about the uh, Japanese invasion of, of Nanking, China in 1936 and their atrocities on the uh, population. And we played these people. We had dramatic. So that was one. And then the next year I did North Country with Shalice Throne and Jeremy Renner. And, um, yes. and, we, um, and she got an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. Then a couple of years later, Whiplash, we got four nominations for Academy Awards and won three. And then Captain Phillips, we got four nominations and won one. So I think in that period of time, um, I felt yeah. like I was hitting my stride. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and now uh, for the past couple of years, I've just been cranking out these Westerns and the must, I've got the mustache going. And um, I think it's the mustache. I think it's the mustache. 
it might so, be the mustache, but there's like a major resurgence of Westerns lately. I mean, you have Yellowstone and all of the spinoffs that have come from that. And people are really vibing with that right now. Yeah, I did. a I did a great Western with Robert Duvall um, called um, called Broken Trail that we, uh, mm. we got uh, Golden Globe nominations and won Emmys and stuff. And that was really with Walter Hill, who I've done four movies with, two, uh, three movies. Um, yeah, so it's, but changes in, you know, it's always a fist fight. I'll tell you what, um, we lay down all these auditions nowadays, you know, in your house. And yeah. um, I think in the last, the last three or four years, um, I've worked constantly. I've worked a lot. Thank you, Jesus. And um, all the jobs except one were just straight offers. Wow. Uh, there's a there's a series on um, on Amazon right now called The Power about female empowerment from the book. Yes. The Power. And um, I'm in that series. And that was the last one where I laid it down in my house and set it in. And, uh, you know, that's awesome to be at that. level. I mean, and honestly, like at this point, your body of work is so immense. It's it's crazy not to just be like, here you go, because you could watch you in so many things to see your talent, you know? Oh, well, yeah, I, I'm out there a lot. Um, there's a movie that's uh, playing right now that I did with Amelia Clark and Jack Houston called um, Above Suspicion. Um, mm. Philip Noyes, who directed Patriot Games with yeah. Mel Gibson, um, directed Above Suspicion, and it's a great movie. And it came out at the time just when the pandemic hit. So it was just about ready to go into the theaters and then the, then the theaters all closed. But yeah. it's a great movie. So, you know, um, so Above Suspicion, is it's a story about this woman who co-ops the FBI guys. Uh, she's, this, she's this kind of Kentucky hillbilly girl who, you know, this guy thinks he can just like use her as his play toy and, he, and she plays him completely. Yeah, it's, and he was wrong. True story. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how things have changed for me. Auditioning on tape, not so much. Then just call me up, and then I rock it. So it's good. So, that's great. Yeah. I well, going back to auditions when you still had to put them on tape. Um, did you have a specific process of breaking something down before you went into the room or laid it down? Before I go into audition, I, I'm trying to figure out what this guy wants in the scene and in the show. What does he want? And then, um, then I I gotta learn the lines. <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always, I never read anything. I always, I always know the stuff, and it does two things. It so I don't, I'm not reading it. And, uh, oh, Bob, really? Well, I saw them down on 27th Avenue where they were in a convenience store and I think one of them was buying vegetables. You know, no, so, you know, uh, so I'd just be in the room more, you know, so I'd always learn it. Uh, that was my process. And um, yeah, I always like being in the room. The room's better for me because I'm, you know, I'm, I come from the theater, you know, so it's like, you know, I'm better in the room. I'm groovy to hang out with. Come on, you know that. So it's like, yeah. And then the thing, you know, with the t is, 
is the angle wrong? Is there a door back there? Oh no, is the you know, it's my my snaps in my shirt. Oh god, I gotta do it again. You know. It's, it's true, and the noise is outside and everything distracting you all the time. It's just yeah, and I, have, I can't wait to get back into a room. <laughs> and I'm I'm and I'm paranoid. I'm wondering who Jillian actually first sees those tapes and goes, Well, maybe we'll send this give this to the casting director and maybe not and if the person doesn't know say my work from the get-go then you know so the troll at the bridge you know is it like yeah you know someone who is smart or not i mean or, you know in my case they they should be smarter obviously yes but i'm, <laughs> but I'm booked until i'm booked until august so hey yeah. look at you yeah. Uh, well, speaking of auditions, we love to share audition stories on this show. Do you have um, a fun audition story that you'd like to share with the listeners? I have maybe the quintessential, besides my Twin Peaks story, audition story. That's great. Um, what's the name of the film? Ah, Dreamscape. Um, okay. Max von Sydow, the, you know, the actor from Sweden who did all the Bergman films was in it with Christopher Palmer and uh, Dennis Quaid. I think it was the fourth wow. film I did with Dennis Quaid. Um, but so I go to the reading and I drive across town and I got my suit on because I'm going to play this FBI guy. And I go, uh, Bruce Cohen Curtis. So um, God bless him. Um, <laughs> and so I go up to Sunset and Doheny to his office. And I go in there, I open the door, and there's a room full of guys. I mean, like a room full of guys, 20 guys, that all look like me, and they're all my age, right? Mm. And, and then I run into um, Peter Jason. And Peter Jason is kind of this guy I did a Western with. He kind of talks like this, and all he ties to He goes, Jesus Christ, Monk, you know, this room's full of people that look just like me. How the fuck is guy trying to – I mean, how are we going to get over with this thing? And I said, I don't know. Are you ready? He says, I'm always ready. Come on, what the hell? And so they go, oh, Chris Malky, and I go – Cool. Well, great. All right. Good luck, Peter. Okay. Good luck, Malky. So I walk in, I sit down, and, it, and he, Bruce Cohen Curtis is behind his desk, this camel colored thing, and his lovely shirt, and he's very dressed. And he's very. And he goes, I'm sorry, Chris, but it's just not going to work. I said, What? He said, There's no reason for us to go on in this audition. I mean, I said, We haven't started. He said, no, 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 you're just not right. But thank you. Thank you for coming in. And I I kind of blew my top. And I said, look, MF, um, I drove across town. I learned all this stuff. I mean, what you know, and I came hot, right? And I'm just like, bam, 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 bam. I don't, and, you know, Joe Rubin, who's the director and, and, and the casting director from Twin Peaks is there. And she's like, monkey, monkey. And I'm going, I just got to tell you. And he said, Finally, he goes, are you done? And I went, yeah. And he just tore me a new rear end. Well, you in great drink, actor, blah, 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 blah. And then he was done. And I went, okay. All right. Um, nice to meet you guys. And uh, take care. I'm out. And so I leave. So two days later, I get a call. Bruce Cohen Curtis wants to see you. You mean what? on Dreamscape? Yeah. Okay. Call back. I went, call back? I told him to go fuck himself. Right? So. So anyhow, whoops, I said fuck. Anyhow, um, you're good. So I go in there and I walk in, and there's the same twenty guys. I, I kid you not. 
And here's Peter what? Jason. And I'm going, what the hell? And he goes, Jesus Christ, monkey, what's going on? I went, what? And he says, yeah, I mean, you know, we're back here for this bullshit and all these guys are here. And I'm, what, what's going on? And I said, I have no idea. I told him to go screw himself when I was here. You did. Well, he deserved that. And um, <laughs> suddenly the doors open up and Joe Rubin, Erica and Bruce Cohen Curtis appear like uh, uh, Prince Charles in the doorway. And they and he and he goes, thank you all for coming today. Um, I know you spent a lot of time on this, so you can all go home. But I would like to see Peter Jason and Chris Mulkey in the office now. And we went. OK, so we walk in and we sit down and <laughs> you guys are hired. What? <laughs> you didn't even time. Yeah, we were Finch and Babcock and the thing. We were hilarious. We were like, because I'm like me, you know, and Peter just says, Jesus Christ. So, weirdest thing in the world. That is wild. That is That's such a wild. strange story. I mean, he didn't even let you read any of the lines, and then you booked it. I think he liked the way I told him to go fuck himself. He's like, but I will never do that again. It's it's not my character to do that, you know. But he just hit me that you know he flipped the switch the wrong way, and I don't know. And so it's a great story, and and um, Bruce is a really nice guy, and and we had a really successful movie, and it's a it's a cool movie. Yeah, it's cool. That's a fantastic story. (laughs) Got to be top ten. That's good. I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's well, the one. Before we go, um, you know, I love to give this opportunity to talk about all the other things that you have going on in your life. Um, I know that you have a CD coming out. Let's talk a little bit about that. Now, well, I did a movie uh, that's going to be on the INSP channel, the Cowboy Channel. Uh, I've been doing, I've done like maybe a dozen westerns, and uh, this, and we were shooting Far Haven down in Tucson, and the writer of the movie, who also played my partner. At, I played the sheriff. Um, we first got together the first day around the pool. Hi, I'm, I'm William Shockley. I'm Chris Mulkey. He said, you got a guitar? I said, yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter. He says, well, I'm, I'm a great lyricist. Maybe we could write something to get together. And I went, well, maybe we could. And I was thinking about doing 10 songs, and he's going, we're just kicking it around. We're doing a movie. How is that going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the first night, we're in a having dinner in this bar and this guy comes up to me and says, Hey, you're still working. I said, yeah, Chris Mulkey says, I'm whatever. He says, well, you're, I guess you're, you're only young once. And I said, well, I've been young twice because I'm still working. And then I turned to William and I said, write that down. And that began a thing. And we wrote 10 songs and recorded them in, in Tucson. And it's called Tucson tapes with William Shockley and Chris Mulkey. And they're border songs, and they're just—it's just great. I'll send you um, if you email me your or text me your, um, you know, your, your thing. I can I can send you uh, some tracks, but they're really great. Uh, mandolin, groovy stuff, great poetry. Oh my god! And he's such a good. And we both sing them. You know, there's ten tunes, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. Is this the first yeah. time that you've released music to the public? No, I'm a published songwriter. I've done. I think this is my 10th CD and I've sold about 40 songs to TV and movies. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of my, I sold Amazon, one of my songs for the, the, the TV series I referred to earlier. 
uh, that's yeah. honoring the power. Yeah, they bought one of my songs, and uh, yeah, so I'm really thankful. I I play all the instruments. I played. Um, I started out as a harmonica player, but then I guitar. I'm a guitar player, mandolin player, and you know, play the bass. Wow. And, you know, it's just uh, I'm digging. So yeah, this is not the first time. You can just pick up your phone and go um, play Chris Malky, and they'll play a bunch of songs. Cool. Well, that that brings me to one last question, which is like, how do you balance then all of your acting and your songwriting and then also having a family and, and your home life and your your social life? It seems like so much. How do I balance my life? Um, I don't know. It's kind of like I'm just kind of grooving and digging it. And I, I don't put I try not to put too much strain on either one. And mm -hmm. um and I don't book any gigs that will get uh, canceled by um, by a movie or TV. I'm really careful about that. You know, we were the I was the house band at House of Blues for a year and a half and played there for in Hollywood before they moved it. Um, and that was amazing that I was even there for a year and a half and I was able to do it every week. Um, I kept working in town for that year and a half. Um, wow. But it's just uh, the light touch, you know. Don't. Suddenly, if you get crazy about stuff, you know, um, crazy doesn't help. So just groove and um, dig the eternal now, as Rick Rubin would say. Yeah. I love so that. I try, dig I the eternal dig the, now. Mm -hmm, dig the eternal now. Yeah. I mean, That's it sounds. That's dope. But, you know, right now. I love it. <laughs> um, do you have social media that, so that people can follow you on, on the interwebs? Yes. I have uh, an in, um, I have an Instagram account called Mr. Chris Malky, Mr. Chris Malky. No, that's all lowercase, Mr. Perfect. Chris Malky. And then I'm in Facebook, of course. And uh, then uh, it's, it's uh, you can go to my music site, chrismalkymusic.com. Um, yeah, and I have a thing called I'm Working Here on Instagram, which is kind of funny, and it's it's usually from locations where I'm at. I just played the. Bill Murray, uh, Murray Brothers um, Caddyshack event down in St. Augustine. So there's a couple of uh, I'm working here's from Instagram for that. I played a house party too. And, yeah. So I go to Tucson yeah. next week. Yeah. Hey. And start, Love it. And start another movie called Last Dollar with uh, Michelle uh oh, Jacqueline Bissett. Oh, wow. Jacqueline Bissett, me, Granger Hines and some cool people. And so it's a Western about uh, this rancher and stuff. And I play, that's what this is. And I'm the judge who runs the town and ultimately saves the kid's life. Heck yeah, you do. Heck yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I um, had such a great time and you're so fantastic. So it's, it's a pleasure. Well, thank you. You're fantastic too. It was great. Anytime, you know, I just, I just keep swinging and uh, we'll see what happens. Come on now. <laughs> Thanks again to Chris for coming on the show. Um, it was just such a pleasure talking to him. Uh, check out all the things that he's in, man. He's in a thousand of them. So check him out, check out his music and uh, you know, tune in next week for another fun episode. As always, thanks for coming in. Have you ever been stuck on a call you really wish you could get off of? 
I guess it's official. Oh. I guess we're partners. Thank you. I Here we go. I feel like after that incredible dinner that we had with you the other night, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much it was. But you try to put two dozen oysters in a spreadsheet, you know, your accountant's not so happy. So can't even write those off when, yeah, it's, when they come from. Seafood gets tricky, so. Right. Conference call follows a down on her luck tech industry wonderkin by the name of Julie Burke, who has no other choice but to partner with two brothers from the reject piles of Shark Tank as they desperately try to develop their next invention. When recordings of Julie's calls with the Toad Bros end up in the hands of an investigative journalist, she presents her audience with the wild twists of Julie's story, showcasing the best of their worst, most cringeworthy phone calls. Conference Call, a Paradiso Media production presented by Realm, stars Elizabeth Henstridge, Jeff Ward, Gregory Stees, and Emma Roberts, and featuring Karen Gillan, Beck Bennett, Dimi Dijuibe, Clark Gregg, and many more. Be sure to listen and subscribe to Conference Call wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at realm.fm.